Hey there, and welcome back again to Yes, a Stripper Podcast. On this podcast, we'll discuss how classifying each other as people and workers is dangerous to society and marginalized groups of people. We'll also talk about the climate in and outside of the strip clubs and all of the amazing things that strippers do. And of course, we'll talk about all of the things in between. I'm your queen, A.M. Davies, and this is Yes, a Stripper Podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of Yes, a Stripper podcast. Crazy times, crazy times we're in. Uh, Still the same, still in the room, still in the bedroom, Uh, you know, not in the studio yet, but it's been really great because not being in the studio means that we're able to have these interviews with different people around the world, around the country, in different parts, because when we were doing podcasts in the studio, it was like if you were in LA, you were getting interviewed, right? And it's cute and everything, and I liked it, but I've just been having such a great time getting to know other people of the community in other parts of the world and other parts of the country, and especially during this time because strippers are revolting. They are, they are starting revolutions and they're, it's happening in, in more than one place and um, everyone's starting to pay attention and it's like, you know, I kind of feel like I've been yelling about these problems for the last 12 years and it's finally like everyone's like, yeah, okay, I get it, you know, and so it feels like really relieving in a way. Um, but also just so exciting and like what's going to happen next. And also I have to tell you, there's something really fulfilling about getting on the phone with a stripper in a different part of the country and feeling right away, like you're in the dressing room with her. And that's a really special connection that I think only strippers really understand. Um, so I am meeting a new stripper for the first time and she's on this show today and she's calling in. Uh, from Portland. I want you all to welcome Kat to the show. Kat, will you please say hello to everyone? Hi, everybody. Hi. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so Long much. Long time listener, first time caller. Oh, hey. <laughs> oh, that's great. Have you been listening? No. Okay. <laughs> I haven't had any time, to be honest with you. I'm I just sure. Think I'm sure. It's what you say when you call into a show, but I have been following. Um, I think Kipper is amazing. Um, and I think that yes, a stripper is super necessary. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, it's really important for the actual workers to have a platform with their voice. And like, I really try to make sure that we have guests on here that aren't like super famous, well-known, you know, they have all the platforms. Let's give yeah. the actual people on the ground the platform to speak about what's happening. And that's, that's the whole point. So um, and tell everyone where, where you're calling from. Where are you at in the world? So I'm in Portland, Oregon. I'm actually at a safe house right now. Um, I've had a lot of uh, blowback as far as the uh, white supremacist community in Portland goes, not appreciating my work. Um, so I have been moving from safe house to safe house um, every couple of days and trying to keep myself safe. So I'm in an undisclosed location um, in Portland, Oregon, and I'm on day, I'm on day 26 of our strike here in Portland, and I'm on day seven of not being able to go back to my own home (laughs) because I've been docked. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, when you're making big risky moves like that, that Mm -hmm. happens. 
Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've heard before that uh, video games, if video games have taught me anything, it's that running into enemies means you're going the right direction. So um, wow. the more serious people's reaction is and the more, um, the more people are like, you know, it's directly upsetting racists. I'm like, this is going really well. Yay. <laughs> and it's easy enough. Um, I feel like I have put myself forward as the face of the movement and it has become really easy for me to protect my fellow dancers um, and, and just people in the adult industry in, in general by creating this sort of like bubble of awareness around me that people know who I am. If they want to martyr me, that's fine. <laughs> but the, the wave is much bigger than me. And so we only have to keep one person right moving and safe versus trying to make sure that all of us are safe um and so it really allows us a lot more freedom as far as um talking to the press and things like that goes because i've just i've kind of lost my privacy <laughs> sure. it's done. yeah um so you said a few things and i want to make sure the audience has some context so we know that you're and i know what you're doing you're you're protesting you're in portland you're strippers so let's talk about what exactly fueled this fire to begin your strike. How did mm. it all start? Um, the strike really took off on, and there's just to be very clear, there's been stripper strikes in the past. New Orleans did a stripper strike yeah. um, a couple of years ago, as well as um, Giselle Marie in New York, yeah. less, less glitz, um, yeah. less Giselle Marie and bless um, their building. They're doing amazing work. But really how it catalyzed in Portland was Blackout Tuesday happened and there was a club who uh, had put Black Lives Matter signs all over their stage in a closed club. So there's nobody in there. There's nobody coming through. And they plastered the whole stage with signs that they had gotten for free. And um, what ended up happening was people were commenting on this feed and saying, you know, you have more Black Lives Matter signs on that stage than you ever have had Black Butts. And because many of us, because many of us, um, you know, have felt the sting of showing up for auditions after, you know, you'll call in, hey, can I audition this afternoon? They say, yes, of course. And then you show up and suddenly the manager is not there or suddenly they're not contracting that day. Um, and so I feel like a lot of Black strippers in Portland had experienced this. And as the discussion is happening, um, dancers from that particular club were feeling like they needed to defend the club against our allegations. Um, and I think that one of the things that was really interesting was one of the one of the dancers at the club said, "You know, I get I get that this is upsetting and it's hard because we don't, you know, we have some POC dancers but not really black dancers. And I don't know what you want the girls to do. Like, what do you want?" individual dancers at this club to do because we can't change the club right and I said you know I think the best thing to do would be a general strike like let's all throw our hands up and say we won't work at a club that doesn't hire brown butts and why don't white women stand up with us and I was really surprised because they did and this club um had been open as a food delivery service um and I don't feel it necessary to mention their name because they don't need any more advertising okay. um, but they are signed they are signed on with us at this point um mm -hmm. they were doing a food delivery service but it was exclusively like four or five dancers who were generally white passing or white who were the only dancers working in the whole city and yeah. they were making maybe 75 dollars 
and people were contacting me and being like, oh, you know, you didn't get unemployment. Why don't you just go work for this delivery service? And I was like that because they, they didn't hire me before. They're half staff now, like there's nothing to do. And those dancers at that club stopped working and they went on strike for a week in solidarity with us until the club would sign on. The, um, the delivery girls. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Well, that is... Um, and it's just, a, it's just that, you know, dancers often have to defend clubs for doing all sorts of things because we advertise for these clubs. You know, our livelihood is through these clubs. And so asking them to change often means losing your employment opportunity um, or not employment, excuse me, work opportunity. Right. And, um, and so I think this is a rare time when especially dancers have this opportunity to get them in their wallets and yeah. really say, you know, if you're only hiring four people back, those four people have every pull in order to say what they want, right? Because we're independent contractors. We can say whatever we want to have in our contract. I mean, technically, yeah. But they, I mean, history, they don't do that for us. Like they don't, they're, so, they yeah. write the contracts and then they expect yeah. us to adhere to it and we don't say anything. We just sign it. That's been history. Mm -hmm. So and and so part of what we've part of what we've really discovered in that I think you hit the nail on the head is that we sign these contracts we don't necessarily know what's in them and I have found that a lot of times I don't get a copy of my contract um, and so how am I supposed to even know and that's that is not something that is um, really legal <laughs> I mean when you sign a contract. I mean, even McDonald's, Walgreens has to give you a contract. When you buy a Snickers bar, that is a, that receipt is a contract that you said, I gave you a dollar, you gave me a Snickers bar. They right. have to give you a copy. And so what we've done, because we found that some of the, the failings in the past have been around reclassification of our employment status from uh, 1099 independent contractors into uh, W-2 employees, we are trying to kind of cut out that argument and say, no, what we're looking for are civil rights. And these civil rights apply whether or not you're a dancer, whether or not you're a bartender, whether or not you're a client customer, because we are all part of federally protected classes, whether or not you are a woman, gay, black, there's really, I mean, I'm sure that there are some straight cis men in our community, um, but for the most part, they've been showing up for us um, yeah. now. Uh, and so I, because we're all part of these protected classes, we have the right to make a good faith um, observation to a business that they have not been compliant with anti-discrimination law that exists on a federal level. Mm -hmm. if, if you lose your contract because you advocated for protected classes, that's a problem. So like I give the example of you're, you're working for a carpenter company that's building a, a lollipop shop. And... Um, you know, you're almost done and you say to your boss, hey, hey man, um, this lollipop shop has seven steps in the front and no wheelchair ramp. If the lollipop shop cuts your contract, if the contractor cuts your carpenter contract because you said, hey, I think you need a handicap ramp, that is not okay, right? Like it is not, right. you can't. And so the thing is at a certain point, they're a place of business. Our relationship to them does not matter. Them as a business, oh, excuse me, I don't mean to make that symbol. Um, they're their business entity has requirements by law for reasonable public accommodations. This is some Jim Crow stuff of like lunch counter sit-ins. Separate is not equal. All power to all the people. Like they're stop telling black girls to go to the black club. Like, oh, that's not our look. 
you need to go to a black club. Like that's not legal at all. And the fact that we don't have a contract at that club doesn't matter. Them turning us away is enough. Um, you being a concerned citizen in your community, going up to your lolly, local lollipop shop and saying, hey, I think you guys need a, a wheelchair ramp. That's a responsibility of every citizen to demand of our local businesses. Mm -hmm. um, and because these businesses pay interstate tax, they have a requirement to follow federal procedures. Um, so if this is actually how they ended Jim Crow in the South as well, is that they sh were able to show that, okay, so like you're in Podunk middle of nowhere that hasn't, um, hasn't changed any of its laws and is okay with segregation. Well, that's fine. The state didn't vote to desegregate. Your city didn't vote to desegregate, but I see that you have salt on your counter and that's from Utah. And I see that you have apples over there and those are from Washington. I see that you have cheese over there and that's from Wisconsin, which means you are not a private entity only in your state. You right. are a federal entity. And so right. as long as you're paying interstate taxes, you have to apply to, to reasonable accommodations for protected classes. So we are not even, we are just a, a collective of invested, in, of, of, excuse me, of vested individuals. And what that means is that we have the ability to advocate for our community as a whole, including sex workers who are not strippers or do not have clubs to work at, including the customers who come in and aren't allowed in because they have a passport from Mexico or they're wearing a red hoodie and the bouncers being, you know, crappy. We have a, a right and a responsibility as citizens of this um, country to advocate for these protected classes. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. The cool thing about it is as you advocate for that, it falls down into the rest of our rights of labor rights and of um, of trans rights and of gay rights and of gender identity and right. um, and class. And so those things are actually really well protected. And so um, it's been suggested to me that if you're ever concerned about where your where your rights stop, right? Like, oh, I can do all this and then I'm an independent contractor and I run out of rights. Instead, start from a place of what would you be doing if those rights didn't exist in the first place? You had no contract with this club. You still have a right to have a grievance with a place of business due mm -hmm. to non due to lack of non-discrimination policy. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't matter if you're a stripper, you can go into any place. Like seriously, it's so much fun. Go into your local, I don't know, McDonald's, Starbucks and say, what's your non-discrimination policy? They have it under the left side of the counter. Every employee, every manager has to be trained on where that non-discrimination policy is because in that non-discrimination policy, it has a process, a plan for reporting grievances. Um, so if your business has not recorded those grievances or has a policy in place to report those grievances, that's part of the problem. So if you've complained to a club manager and it didn't get to the owner, that's a problem. <laughs> if you talk to a bouncer and they did nothing, that's a problem. Right. So um, because there's no system in place. But you, you bring up a really excellent point. But like, why the fuck aren't they doing this? How has this happened? I'm just like that. I'm sitting here and I've been a stripper for like 18 years, and I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. it's just right. And but like, how, so how the all these owners gotten away with this. The the thing is, and so it's really, I think it's helpful to look back into previous civil rights movements um, and both reflect on and reflect those movements. And if you look at how um, Jim Crow was overthrown is that Jim Crow was a de facto um, 
system. So everything was on paper. If these clubs would like to write down in their non-discrimination policy that they only hire white dancers who have tattoos and dance to rock and roll, by all means, go ahead and write that down in your comp company policy and see how that goes. But it needs to be written down. And so at a certain point, excuse me, at a certain point, it is de jure racism. So de facto is on paper, it's written down, it's practiced um, widely throughout the community. Things like redlining, things like um, voter ID laws, those are all de facto um, racism and discrimination versus de jure is today. And so um, it's racism de jure, like the soup de jure. Um, yeah, yeah. And the idea is that as long as there is no way to, they've just been isolating us is the answer. And I think every dancer has spent a night at 2 a.m. trying to figure out who to tell about an assault, about a, a something, you know what I mean? About racism, about, you know, a bouncer extorting them for tips um, or a DJ, you know, trying to bang them in the back. And like, we're done sucking dicks for Friday shifts. Like that's over. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And I think that that's something that everybody can can kind of get get behind. And the reason it's been happening so long is because they will scrub one person at a time and there's always new butts for those feet. And God bless the baby strippers. I love them. But part of the problem in the past is because we tried to unionize, it puts a, a concrete system into place that then the next generation is held to these standards. But it's from the dancer side. And we need to hold the clubs responsible because they are the place of business. They are the ones who are responsible for providing us with a safe and, and effective work environment. Right. And it doesn't matter if we're independent contractors. You don't have to contract at a club that doesn't protect you. And that, that, that ability and that privilege doesn't exist for Black dancers because when we have to leave a club, there's only one other club that right. we can work at. And so it is white dancers' responsibility at this point to make sure that those clubs that have the ability to push people out, we're blackballing them. Like, and I, I think everybody has, knows that term and that complaints get you blackballed and then you can't work at any clubs. Well, there are so many of us. I mean, we are in 17 states. Um, in Portland, we have 27 clubs that are signed on. And I think over over 50 local businesses um, who have intents on going to cultural sensitivity training, addressing their written policy, um, and trying to be, create a, a system that's in compliance to the current law. Mm -hmm. Because that's the problem is that if you're making a good faith argument that someone has broken the law, you actually have a lot of protections like as a whistleblower in the public um, as, a, as just a citizen of the United States. And so, addressing these concerns instead of as individuals because us having a problem with the club is an individual problem and they can just not contract us but if we are focused in on defending the rights of others and getting them compliant with current law there is no they, they literally cannot say no to us um, they need to give a copy of their non-disclosure or, or of their anti-discrimination policy um, and luckily, because of Me Too, a lot of non-disclosure agreements around reporting crime have been scrubbed. Right. Um, over the next five years, um, a lot of those laws are passing. So I just really encourage people to like look up your local liquor code. 
And that's where Kat's interview got cut off. Um, her phone overheated and she couldn't connect back to Zoom. And Kat's time is extremely, extremely valuable right now and in very, very high demand. Um, with the stripper strike, you know, heating up not only in Portland, but in several cities across the country, um, Kat is the leader of all of this and uh, she's the catalyst for this. So you can, you can imagine how much time is uh, being demanded from her. So uh, we are hopefully going to catch up with her at another time, um, you know, when she's made more headway. And in the meantime, we'd like you to um, check out the Rolling Stone article that just came out um, featuring Kat and all of the Stripper Strike gang um, babes that are working so hard and so tirelessly to create real industry reform and change for us. And um, there's so many of us watching and so proud of the work that they're doing. And so just really please make sure that you um, support these babes. Um, please follow them at PDX Stripper Strike on Instagram. Um, and you can find Kat at Pussy Control. But Pussy Control is spelled with underscores and an X. So we're going to look that up for you right now. Here we go. It's lower dash P-X-S-S-Y control lower dash lower dash. All right. So it's Pussy Controlled, but the the A is an X or the U is an X instead. So um, go ahead and follow her there. Follow her journey. Um, show support to these amazing, amazing strippers. Um, and yeah, and hopefully we'll be able to get uh, a more in-depth interview with Kat um, when she has the time. So show your support, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in to Yes or Stripper podcast. This is a short episode. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at yesastripperpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at yesastripperpodcast. And you can catch the show on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, anywhere that you can find podcasts. We hope you tune in next week. I've been your host, A.M. Davies. See you soon.